We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. As today we're going to deal with what's known as the cities of refuge. Uh, in case you're taking notes, I don't know if any of you guys ever go home and follow up on the studies, um, but if you're taking notes, in order to get a good understanding of these cities of refuge, you would also need to study Exodus 21, 12 through 13, Numbers 35, the whole chapter, and then Deuteronomy 19, 1 through 13. If you study those passages along with this passage, you're going to have a good understanding of the cities of refuge. Now, if you remember, we're in the book of Joshua, and they've divided up the lands. They've given all the tribes their inheritances, finally, right? Now, they finally can give to the priests their cities as well. They're not going to own the cities, but they're going to dwell in the cities. Forty-eight cities will be given to the Levites, to the priests, the descendants of Aaron and Levi, and six of those 48 cities will be known as cities of refuge. And here we read what it's all about. It says in verse 1, Then the Lord also spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint for yourself cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. When he flees to one of those cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city, and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Then, if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally but did not hate him beforehand. And he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment and until the death of the one who was high priest in those days." Then the slayer may return and come to his own city and his own house to the city from which he fled. Now here we have a general summary regarding the cities of refuge, uh, which are now going to be appointed within the promised land. Now here in verse 1, we read about the Lord speaking to Joshua. And then in verse 2, we read the content of that conversation. And God commands Joshua to speak to the children of Israel and say, okay, it's time to appoint cities of refuge. Notice he says right there in verse 2, for yourselves. This would be for their benefit. This is something he says in verse 2 in the latter portion that was introduced through the ministry of Moses. And so the simple scenario is this, you guys. If someone kills another person accidentally, unintentionally, then there is a city of refuge and this would be a city, this would be a city where the one who did such a thing could flee. They would run there from the avenger of blood. Now we read right here that this is one who accidentally killed another. They're called the slayer there in verse 3. And they were then to be tried, according to Numbers 35, 24. We see a little bit of that there. And if it was proven that the deed was unintentional, that he or she would then be allowed to stay and live in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest, who was in office at the time of the actual incident, 
And then when he died, if they're still alive at that point, they could return to their home in safety. There they would be protected by the laws of the Lord. What would happen if the avenger came looking for the slayer? He was not to be delivered into his hands. Why? Because the murder was not murder. It was manslaughter. It was not premeditated. It was done unintentionally or accidentally. Of course, we know that if the crime was intentional, then they would be put to death. And the bottom line is the whole thing we see right here is God does not want blood to pollute his land. You see, as the people of God began to live within the land, there would be need for laws. The society needed to structure justice and they were given a theocracy and wisdom from above. God would tell them exactly how to deal with all these things. You see, the laws of the Lord were designed to make sure that the guilty were punished and the innocent were protected. You know, it's interesting that the manslayer is safe, but in one sense he still suffers certain ramifications. Huh? He can't live at his house anymore. He has to go live in a different city. There's an element of that we see there that makes it right. And so this would now make somebody a little bit more careful as they're going through life. I mean, it's amazing to me, this is a quick side note, the wisdom of God. You know, I wish we could just use the Bible as our, our law book, don't you? I mean, things would be so cool. You know, they wouldn't have these guys drinking and not really caring, you know, and if they kill somebody when they're driving that car, you know, they'll get out pretty, pretty soon. They're not really careful, you see. And what we see is the Lord here, He makes everything right. You know, one of the things that's interesting about this whole thing is that the one who's called avenger of blood, notice again there in verse 3, that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. In verse 5, he's also called the avenger of blood. And you're like, who is this guy, man? <laughs> he's walking around as the avenger of blood. Does he have a t-shirt or something? How does that work, you know? Is he the buffest, baddest, meanest guy? No, one of the things that's pretty interesting about this is the avenger is actually the kinsman redeemer. Same Hebrew word. The one who would rescue would be the one who would punish. It's a real interesting thing, the way that it works. We see that in Numbers chapter 35 and verse 33 and 34. God gives the reasonings for these rulings. He says, All this is so you shall not pollute the land where you are, for blood defiles the land. Therefore do not defile the land which you inhabit in the midst of which I dwell, for I the Lord dwell among the children of Israel. Just as a basic synopsis, a principle over the whole thing. God wants a justice. Not injustice. God wants to protect the innocent and God wants to punish the guilty. And that's the way a land would be blessed. But if you go around killing people that shouldn't die and if you go around protecting those in other countries, they would actually be able to give a ransom for the murderer and he would get off scot-free. God's ways were different. God wanted justice. God wanted to protect the people that needed to be protected. Because if not, if people just lived and did their own thing, then it would pollute the land. You know, and we think about that. I think we here in the valley can identify with that, huh? Pollution, huh? You're thinking, oh, it's smog. Well, yeah, from a physical standpoint, it is. But in God's vernacular, it's sin. 
that our sins and our injustices and the lack of being the protector, the kinsman redeemer or the avenger, you know, all those things pollute the land. And God here is trying to really bring his people to a place where he can bless them. You know, it's a double-edged sword. I told you earlier, you know, it's one thing, God will discipline you, man, for your sins. But it's another thing, another form of discipline is not giving you the blessings and the rewards that He wanted to give you. Why? Because we've polluted the land. We've polluted our life. And so it's really an encouragement for us to just do things God's way. Why? Because He lives here. Where does God live? He lives inside of you. God lives inside of you. He lives here in the congregation. He lives in us congregationally, universally, and personally. He lives in us. And that's why if He lives in us, you know, things got to be right. You know, I think that a lot of times we sin and we don't do things we should do and we do things we shouldn't do because we forget that very fact. God's there. God's here. God lives in me. You know, I mean, that's what he says. Numbers 35, the reason why I want you to make sure you have justice squared away. There's no blood that's shed that shouldn't be shed and there's bloodshed that should be shed. That you don't defile the land, you don't pollute the land. It's because I live there. You know, and God says, I want you to be holy. You know, it's kind of the same thing the Lord says over in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, 2, and 3. There's Jesus in the midst of the candlesticks. He's here with eyes of flame of fire, eyes of omniscience, and we try to hide it from other people and he sees everything. He sees everything. What good is it to hide your sin from me or hide your sin from others? I'm telling you this right now, you can't hide your sin from God. And so with that understanding, let's just be real men of God and real women of God, knowing that God lives in me. Not just here when I'm at church, not just when I'm with my friends having our nice little fellowship, but when everybody leaves and it's just you and your family and you're there in the house, God's still there. God's always with us. And that's why it's important for us to always be real. He says, don't pollute the land. Why? Because I live there. Do things God's way. You know, Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, the Lord is revealed as the one who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, right? Both encouraging the church and warning the church to be holy in light of such an awesome truth. You know, this whole city of refuge, this whole revelation Reminds me of Jesus' work and how we have fled to Him for refuge. Something we read about over in the book of Hebrews. Let's go over there real quick. Hebrews chapter 6. It says in verse 18, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, encouragement, comfort, who have what? Fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. A lot of commentators believe that 
what we see in the Old Testament of these guys who have done these sins and they fled to the city of refuge, that whole truth is an illustration of what has taken place in our life as Christians. When was the last time you ran fast? Just out of curiosity, man. When was the last time you ran as fast as you could? Okay, the last time you ran as fast as you could, there was either two things going on. Either you were in a race that you wanted to win or you were running away from somebody, right? Someone was chasing you down, right? And you know, when we came to Christ, that's the way it is. You know, we run to Him. We run to not a place but a person. We run to not a city but a Savior. The avenger of blood is hot on our tails, hot on our tails, hot on our tails. And we ran to the city of refuge. See, and that's where we're at now. This is where we live now. And this is what Jesus Christ has done for us. And you put it all together, you put it all together, and all I know is this, why in the world would you want to do your own thing? Why? Why? You know, to just be, um, you know, nonchalant in your Christian walk. One of the things the Lord's been laying on my heart, and I want to just share with you guys, man, is is He loves you and that He wants to use your life more. More. And I don't know what that means for everybody here. It's different. You're going to get deeper with your family. You're going to start reading the Bible more with your wife and your husband. You're going to start praying on your knees with your children. You know, I, I, God wants to use your life more. For some of you here, it means stepping it up and being, you know, responsive to the calling that's on your life. We're different parts of the bodies. All I know is this, man, that that's what he wants to do. You know, there in the book of Revelation 2 and 3, he says, unless things change, I'm going to split. You're going to lose my presence. I know we don't want that in our life. And so in light of the fact that we've fled to the city of refuge, did you guys know that that's why they call this a sanctuary? Do you guys know that? That's why they call this a sanctuary, man. It's because in one sense, you know, there's the safety that we're under now in Lord Jesus Christ. And this is where we live. We live in Graceland. We live in a place, a person. His name is Jesus Christ. He's our city. He's our Savior. And now the avenger of blood cannot touch us. You see, we've all sinned. We've made those massive mistakes, negligence, disobedience. Therefore, a dual death was upon us. The avenger of blood was upon us. But somewhere along the line, the Christian ran. You ran. We ran. We fled to the one who bled for us. We ran to him. And here we find our safety here in the city of refuge. I pray you guys would know that that's where you live. It's good to know that. I was talking with someone earlier and they had a lot of fears, a lot of fears, and it's really messing up their life. And I said, perfect love casts out all fear. You don't have to be afraid. Do you know where you live? You live in the city of refuge. You live in the city of salvation. You live in this place, in this person. You live in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be afraid. You can walk in that. You know, today, you know, every once in a while we stumble. I messed up, you know, but I got up and then I remembered where I live. I live in the city of salvation. 
I live in Graceland. I live here in this place. And this person, his name is Christ. And he encouraged me to go on. Because a lot of times what the enemy does is he condemns us. And we let him. And we shouldn't. You see, when you know where you live in the city of refuge, the city of salvation, it's so cool. You live in that place, man, where God will take care of you. What is refuge? We know what refuge is, right? It's a place that we can come when the storm's going on. It doesn't touch us. Where the enemy and all his ways of trying to ruin our life, not just to kill you, but to just put you on the shelf or discourage you or just whatever it is to take away your love and joy and peace. Man, we live in, the, in this place where God can protect us from all of that. Many verses in the Bible. Let me read to you a few. Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-seven: The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say, destroy. Ruth chapter 2, verse 12. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. See, you're under the Lord's wings, under His everlasting arms. Seriously, if you can visualize that for a second, do you think anyone's going to mess with you? <laughs> there you are. And you've got to remember where you are. Right? Psalm 46, verse 7, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. That means think about it. Think about what? Think about him being the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob. Oh, wait a minute. I thought he was the God of Israel. Yeah. Sometimes he was good. Sometimes he was bad. <laughs> he was still his God. And that needs to encourage us, right? Second Samuel 22, verse 3. The God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge. My Savior, you save me from violence. Do we stand on that? Do we live in that? Psalms 62, verse 8. Listen to this. Trust in Him at all times. Trust in Him at all times. You people, pour out your heart before Him. Why? God is a refuge for us. Selah. Psalm 142, verse 5, I cried out to you, O Lord, I said, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Cry out to the Lord, you guys. You find yourself going through difficulties or whatever it is, the challenges. Cry out to God. Go in your backyard and yell. Okay, somewhere, let it out. God, I need you. You see what I'm going through, Lord. Help me, Lord, to finish the race. Lord, you're my refuge. You know, the world comes against me. The enemies come against me. I come against me. Lord, protect me. And let him be your refuge. And I tell you what, he really will. And that's what God wants. Back in the book of Joshua, we see the cities of refuge where these guys could flee when they had messed up. And what God would do is God would protect them from the avenger of blood. You know, one of the things that's interesting, when you read Numbers chapter 35, it gives you all the details about that whole thing. And so you can go in the city of refuge and you can live there. And, um, you know, everything would be cool. 
You can live your life and you can wait for the right time, hopefully, to go back home, right? But here's another thing to take into consideration. If you stepped out of the city of refuge, you were open game. The avenger of blood could then kill you. And so what does that tell us? That tells us what? To stay there, man. (laughs) To just shadow Jesus. To stay with the Lord. To stay close to Him. You know, and maybe your prayer life is not going to be the same as my prayer life. Or maybe your time in the Word is not going to be the same as my time in the Word. Or whatever it is, how many times you come to this building. I don't know what God's calling you to do. But I do know this, man. You've got to have some prayer life. And you've got to be in the Word. And you've got to be in fellowship. And th- that way what? You stay in the city of refuge. I'm not talking about serving. If I could just say this real quick. Because some people say, well, I serve in the ministry. I do a whole bunch of things in the ministry. I teach in the ministry. That's not what I'm talking about. If you're living on ministry, if you're living on just serving, if you're not sitting at Jesus' feet and receiving from Him His Word, man, spending that time in prayer, then you know what? You might be creeping out of the city of refuge. Get back in. Get back to where you belong. I don't care if you have to step down. It doesn't matter. Because the most important thing is your personal relationship with God. And in order to function in power, we need that. I believe that as a pastor, the, the best advice for the pastor, the best advice for any minister is stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Him. You know, Adria Saad, she's got a really cool song. It's an older song now, but she talks about hearing the still, small voice. You know, hearing the still, small voice of God. But then that still, small voice, it gets louder and louder and louder to where it's a cry. That's how close you are with God. And that's really where God wants us to be in our personal relationship with Him. You know, to follow Him means that we've got to hear His voice. To be in the city of refuge, man, is to have this place, this relationship where God wants us to stay so that He can protect us, so that He can bless our life. And so they do this. God says, this is what I want you to do. Send these cities of refuge. Appoint them to where they need to be. And so we read in verse 7 of Joshua 20. So... They appointed Kadesh in Galilee in the mountains of Naphtali, Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and Kirjath Arba, which is in Hebron, in the mountains of Judah. On the other side of the Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness of the plain, and the tribe of Benjamin, Ramoth, and Gilead, from the tribe of Gad, and Golan, and Bashan, from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel, And for the stranger who dwelt among them, that whoever killed a person accidentally might flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. And so the visual illustration, cities of refuge, they run to and they're safe. Jesus, our city of refuge, we run to him and we're safe and we stay in him. And so what did they do? They appointed all the cities. Now, if you were to look at a map, I meant to get you guys a map, but I didn't. 
Anyways, it's kind of cool. It's all spread out. You've got three on the west side, three on the east side. They're, 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 they're not far away. Every single city is at the most a day's journey. What they would do, according to the book of Deuteronomy, is they would literally make roads so that for every city, it was easy access. Nothing got in the way. And so that no matter where you were at, you would able to be able to run there. And that's what we see the Lord is for us, you know. Um, he's not far away. He's not in another world. The Bible says what? He's near you even in your heart. That if you just speak a word, He's that close. See, and that's where Jesus is. Here we see in the laws of the land, structure, order, justice, wisdom, protection, direction for God's people. Again, if you were to locate these cities on a map, you would see that they're not far from anyone. Not only that, in Deuteronomy 19.3, the Lord commanded them to build roads. These roads were marked for, they were cared for, marked out. God made everything easily accessible. And that's the way it is for us, you guys. God has come close. As a matter of fact, Luke chapter 15, verse 20 says, if you take a step in the right direction, God will run to you. You know, I don't know where you guys are at here. Maybe all of you are right on going forward, man. It's awesome. But maybe you've drifted away. Maybe you don't even know the Lord. If you take one step in the right direction towards God, He will run to you. And He'll pick you up and He'll give you a new chance in life, right? What ends up happening is we flee death and we find life. Real quick, one of the interesting things about this is the meanings of all these names. Um... We have cities here. First city is Kadesh. It means righteousness. Second city is Shechem. It means shoulder. Third city is Hebron. It means fellowship. The fourth city is Bezer. It means fortress. The fifth city is Ramath. It means heights. And then the other city is Golan. And it means the. It means exile. And so if you put all the cities together, this is kind of what it says. Warren Wiersbe is the one that pointed this out. He said that the names then can be used to describe what sinners experience when they flee by faith to Jesus. First, he gives them his righteousness and they can never be accused again. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But then like a shepherd, he carries them on his shoulders and they enter into fellowship with him. He then becomes their fortress and they are safe and they dwell in the heights even though we are exiles, pilgrims, and strangers in the land. And it's kind of cool when you look at that and you see the whole journey for us, you guys, as Christians. You know, God wants to carry you on His shoulders. God wants to bless you. You know, we go through these trials. We go through the difficulties. We go through the mountaintops, even though we find ourselves pilgrims on this planet. You know, one last thing before leaving here. A lot of Bible teachers will say this also about the cities of refuge is that it represents the nation of Israel. Because Jesus said this, Father, forgive them when he was on the cross for they know not what they do. Kind of like these guys who didn't know accidentally, unintentionally, we killed somebody. Oh, I got an answer for you. The city of refuge. And the same was true for the Jews. The same is true for all of us. 
God says, I got an answer for you for all your problems and all the things that you're going through. And you know, here we are, and I think a lot of us here, and I, myself, at times I do the same thing. You know, we, we do like spiritual calculus. And we're really trying to like figure this out. How, you know, do I put my life back on track? Or how do I get out of this one? And God says, it's not complicated, it's not sophisticated. You don't even have to be all that educated. You just got to be motivated tonight to do what? To flee to the city of refuge. And you know what you'll find there? You'll find forgiveness. You'll find safety. You'll find God there, meeting you there, willing to guide your life. And that's the simplicity of, of where it's at, you guys. You know, I know it sounds simple. And maybe you're even here today and you're thinking, Manny, that's a simple message come on you know i don't know you know one thing that's interesting to me is this that when you read the biblical record okay you read the biblical record you never read of anyone running to the city of refuge and that's surprising to me and i think that it's almost revealing to us that we find kind of the same thing going on in the world that we live in. How many people are really running to Jesus? I'll run to this man. I'll run to that thing over there. I'll run to that. Or whatever it is, we've got a million things that we run to. How many of us are really running to Jesus? He's the only one that can help you. When we do that with all our hearts and we do it sincerely, we're going to find safety. We're going to find peace. We're going to find love. We're going to find forgiveness. We're going to find wisdom. We're going to find encouragement. We're going to find direction. We're going to find strength. We're going to find the power to change. We're going to find everything there. And so I know it's been a while, man. Start running, you guys. Okay, start, start running and then staying. Lord, we... Thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you for the picture of what the city of refuge is all about, Lord. The Savior, not just a place, but a person, Lord. And I pray that we all would have a very, very, very personal relationship with you, Lord God. That it wouldn't be superficial, that it wouldn't just be religion, Lord. I know, Lord God, we need your help. And so, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today as we're living in some very interesting days, Lord, the last of the last days, that we would grow stronger and stronger and stronger. Your word talks about more and more, more and more love, more and more of the power of your Holy Spirit in our life, Lord. I pray, God, you would encourage us. Help us, Lord God, in every relationship that we have, in our relationship with you, or in our relationship with our spouse, Lord, in our relationship with uh, Lord, for those of us who have kids and friends, relationships there at work, Lord, relationships, Father, with all those around us, Lord, let them thrive. Let them be centered on you. God, help us not to be afraid of anything. The avenger of blood may come and he may growl and he may howl and he may want to get us. But Lord, I pray we would know where we live. And that in light of that truth, Lord, we would respond with hearts of surrender. Father, break us. 
Break us, Father, of being people who are Americanized, very selfish. Father, break us, mold us, Lord, and make us into people that would be honoring to you and obedient to you. Lord, I know that there's none of our own righteousness, Lord, that can be contributed to any prayer. No form of eloquence will ever, ever, ever make a difference. It's just the blood and the cross and what you've done. And here we are tonight. It's a Thursday night. And it might seem like a regular night, Lord, but I pray it wouldn't be a regular night, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would be more spiritual, Lord, that we would long to get into your word, that we would have a desire, Lord, to pray and to seek your face, that we would be passionate about good works, sharing the gospel, Lord. Give us boldness, Lord. Lord, let your spirit fall on us today. We don't want to just be, Lord, you know, a a church that, you know, has left their first love. We don't want to be a church, Lord, that has no power, that they look rich, but they're not rich. Father, help us. I pray, Lord, bless Calvary Chapel Almighty. Bless the people here tonight, Lord, their families, their bodies. Father God, their hearts. Help them, Lord, to know the power of your forgiveness, the depth of your forgiveness, the power of your blood. Help us. Lord, I just don't want to leave the same. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.